Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I'm your host, Bernadette Walsh, and I'm so pleased today to introduce my guest, um, Bianca Dark. Bianca Dark is a multi-published author with more than 30 titles to her name. Her work ranges ranges the gamut from steamy to downright scandalous. Bianca is a former chemist whose background in science has come in handy in her writing as she enjoys mixing her real-world knowledge of science with her vast imaginary world. Bianca writes in many genres and mixed genres, but concentrates most of her work in the paranormal, sci-fi, fantasy, and futuristic realms, with some contemporary and urban fantasy thrown in for good measure. Her work has been published by Kensington Brava and Samheim Publishing, among others. So welcome, Bianca. I'm so glad you could join Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me. So 30 titles. So with all this writing, I mean, how do you have time to sleep? (laughs) Um, Here and there. (laughs) I I manage to squeeze some sleep in occasionally. Uh, But I've always been a very fast and prolific writer. It's just um, part of my nature. I think it's uh, something I, I enjoy doing, so I made a career out of it somehow. Now, when did you start writing seriously? Um, well, you know, it's hard to pinpoint because I've been writing since, well, gee, since I was a teenager. Um, I never really had a, a chance to um, pursue it as as strictly as I wanted to. I had sent, you know, for a long time my goal was to write for Harlequin, believe it or not, because I was a commuter. I, I live on Long Island, and I used to work in Manhattan, and I would read these little, you know, Harlequin books, you know, the different lines on the train all the time. And uh, I said, you know, I could write this, and I tried. And, and I would send manuscripts or, you know, queries and get up to the full manuscript, and they'd, they'd hit me with a revise and resubmit. And at the time, like, I didn't know anything about the business, so I didn't know that that was a good thing, you know. And I was working full time. I, I was dejected. I felt like I'd been, you know, completely, um, you know, uh, rejected in every way. And uh, I just let it, you know, let it sit. So this happened a couple of times to me where I would stop writing for a couple of years. <laughs> and then I'd pick it really? up again. And um, I guess the the real break came in about 2005. I had uh, started my own business after 9-11. And um, in 2005, there was a little bit of a lull, and I started writing. And there was this new publisher coming on the scene that I'd never heard of called Samhain Publishing, and they were not even in business yet when I submitted my first, uh, I mean, not even up and running yet when I submitted my first manuscript to them in, I guess it was November of 2005. Uh, by December, I think the first or second week in December, I had a contract, and the first book came out uh, when they opened their, their doors at the beginning of um, 2006. My first book came out on Valentine's Day of 2006. Oh, wow, that's amazing. So you really were on the ground floor with them. Oh yeah, and they're they're wonderful people. I I love the whole the whole group. They're just fantastic. Yeah, so you're continu- continuing to work with them, but you also work with some other publishers. Is that right? Oh yeah, I mean I've had all the typical experiences that uh, a lot of us who you know like eBooks and and started out before there re- was even such a thing as a Kindle. Um, you know I've had bad publishers. I've had good publishers. <laughs> Um, I've had publishers close down on me and uh, books that, that the rights have reverted on and things like that. Um, I also ha- you know, have written for traditional New York publishers, and uh, everything's a little different. I mean, each experience is something new, and I've learned a lot along the way. 
Um, but I stick with Samhain because they were the first ones to give me a break, and um, I really, I really enjoy the people. I enjoy eBooks. I, I love the new media, and uh, it seems to have, you know, be a pretty good combination. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of dance with the one that brung you, right? So <laughs> you, you always have a certain amount of um, loyalty to the to the first yeah. house that gave you um, your break, and yeah, I feel. Although I, you know, obviously I started writing um my first book came out in 2011 um so much newer at this game than you are but um i feel sort of the same way um towards lyrical because before that you know writing was sort of a dream and i had this wonderful manuscript under my bed um and they (laughs) let let it see the light of day you know so although i think i'll also be exploring other options um you know I, i i hope that i continue my um my relationship with Lyrical, I think they'll always have a place in my heart, and it sounds like Samheim is the same with you. I, now, I'm curious, when you when they started in 2005, that predated the Kindle, is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. P- so the Kindle where did was people, a new thing. Yeah, so where did people, you know, it was available electronically, you know. Yeah, well, you know, on computers? I've always been a voracious reader myself, and I, you know, I'm a weird mix of science and and all the the crazy background I have, all the education, I love science fiction. I always have loved science fiction, but I love uh, romance too. And I was looking for science fiction romance, which was very, you know, sparse in traditional publishing. And in about, I guess it was maybe 2004, 2005, I discovered that I could get this, you know, kind of hotter stuff, but it was definitely science fiction romance. Um, from places like Alora's Cave. I used to haunt that website looking for books every week because they were the only people really publishing the kind of stuff I was interested in that, you know, I mean, mean, Alora's Cave has a big reputation for being, you know, hotter than hot, but they also were very willing to try different genres, you know, fantastical worlds and futuristic post-apocalyptic stuff and that I really enjoyed. Um, So... I discovered ebooks probably 2004 2005 but back then there were no you know there were devices there were ebook readers but they weren't the Kindle and or and the Nook it, those things didn't exist so I never had an ebook reader I um I read them off my little laptop <laughs> you know I had a small laptop and um I think most of my library was in PDF or even HTML and right. I would just get those and you know read them nonstop practically. I mean, it was incredible. And I also used to have a Palm Pilot. You know, I think it was the oh, yeah. uh, the visor. And that was my first real, you know, device. And it was, believe it or not, the first ebook I I read was the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, I, I was rereading it because I had read it the first time when I was about 13 years old. And I was rereading it before the movies came out because uh, I wanted to refresh my memory for the movies. That tells you how long ago that was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it, it actually was not that long ago. I mean, it was only seven years ago, and the industry has really changed. And and so, it, it you know, it seems like you got in at the right time. And it sounds like Harlequin kind of did you a favor by rejecting this or giving you a revised and um, resubmit <laughs> notice because your career probably would have gone in a very, very different direction if you had stayed with Harlequin because you probably would have, written more traditional type romances. Yeah, I I definitely did something I didn't expect. I I never in a million years expected to do it this way. But once I realized that the kind of stuff I really, really love, science fiction, fantasy, um, you know, with, with real science fiction and fantasy plots, 
along mm-hmm. with a real romance plot, you know, the two together, um, and, and not just, you know, the old, time, the old days. They used to have these books, and the science fiction was so ludicrous, I'd end up throwing the book against the wall because it was a romance book clothed in science fiction. You know, maybe it was set in outer space, but nothing else made sense. And right. for someone <laughs> like me who grew up reading, you know, all the greats of science fiction, I couldn't take it. <laughs> you know, I needed more. And um, once I, these small press publishers started popping up all over the place, and they were publishing more and more of these really great books with, with really fantastical storylines that I don't think a traditional publisher really could have touched at that time. I mean, there was a time when the guidelines all said no vampires, no paranormal creatures, no, uh, I mean, if you can believe it. I mean, this, I'm yeah. talking 10, 15 years ago, maybe even longer. But when I first joined RWA, I mean, it was all historicals and westerns, <laughs> you know, and, and that was it. You couldn't really write anything out of this world the way I, the things that I was really looking for. Right, so it, right. it gave me a lot of freedom. It certainly did. It certainly it sounds like it did. Now, um, your your background in science um, obviously that has helped you, or 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 just, is is it sometimes a danger because you know too much? Because yeah, I'm, I'm a, a little... lawyer, <laughs> and and my first book, um, my, my first attempted at book, um, I spent about you know two or three chapters talking about you know, what it was like to work in a law firm and, and some of the nitty-gritty. And um, one of the first uh, judges in a contest said, look, you know, I'm a lawyer myself, and no one really cares about your summer associate experience, right? That really has nothing to do with the story. <laughs> so, you know, you know, figure out what's important. And, um, and, and so I, I've, all, I've stopped writing about lawyers, thank goodness. My first two <laughs> books, I, I, after that, I stopped. Because it's almost you get into, you know, all this detail, and then you talk in shorthand that other people don't necessarily understand. So yeah, it, I don't know, how, how do you manage that? No, no, it's a fine line. I mean, I was a biochemist. I ran a laboratory for about six years while I was in law school. And, I mean, I have more knowledge about, you know, viruses and DNA and RNA and all these crazy things and the, the real way that everything works in a laboratory. But um, do I really want to put all that into my book? It's it's rough for me because I want it to be real, but I do also don't want to bore the heck out of everyone who's reading it. Um, so I, you know, I have a, a series called Resonance Mates, which is a post-apocalyptic. Um, you know, aliens have taken over the Earth, but uh, they've been here before, and and um, there's a lot of uh, DNA tinkering that goes on in those books, and um, it's tough for me to know how much to really put in. Um, so I try to rely on the editors and, and the readers to kind of tell me, like, oh, you know, this part was a little boring. Or I, I've never had a problem with it, but I understand your your point because it's so easy to take what you know as an everyday job and mm-hmm. and go a little overboard without realizing it, you know. Right, right. Well, as you said, it's it's a fine line, but but yet, you know, I it, it seems like you're able to give that real authentic flavor. That you know somebody else, and it's probably a little easier for you too in terms of research. You don't have to do a lot of research to talk about DNA. Whereas if I tried to talk about DNA, it would <laughs> sound like gobbledygook. So yeah. um, you know, so I guess you have a leg up that way. And and do you think that helps you in terms of writing so quickly? Uh, yeah, probably because I I never really get bogged down in research. I know that's the bane of a lot of writers. They they do all this research and research research, you know, and and they never stop and actually write the book. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I tend to draw on a lot of the experiences I've had in, you know, 
my business career was kind of varied. I, I, this is probably like my fifth or sixth actual career choice, <laughs> being a writer. Um, first I was a biochemist. Then I was a lawyer. I, I traveled all around the country. So a lot of times when I'm looking for a location to set a book, because I don't like setting them in the same location all the time, I draw on the business travel that I did, and I use different places that I've spent time in. Um, so I don't really have to do as much research to get the flavor of a place because I already have been there. Um, I may have to, you know, look at a map or, you know, figure out exactly, the, you know, where the, how the city works or whatever it is. Um, but most of the time I try to draw on things that I've already done or things that I have seen that I have experienced firsthand. So I don't have to go back and rely solely on my research because, you know, it could be wrong. I also have a master's degree in library science. So, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I know, professional student. So I was a, a law librarian there for a while. And, um, you know, I spent a lot of time in a library. So research isn't that, you know, difficult for me. I usually can find what I need pretty quickly. But, um, you know, you can't just rely on things, other people's observations, because you really want to get the flavor and the feel of a location. You know, settings are important. Um you know, professions, things like that, that you maybe can't get just from reading a description all the time. Right, right. And I agree with you. I mean, people are buying a novel not because they want to know about, you know, France or, you know, wherever you're studying right. your novel or DNA or whatever whatever right. research you may be doing. They want to know a story. And I feel that sometimes writers can use the research as a crutch, like, oh, I'm working on my book because I'm reading, you know, the 15th book on DNA when is that really necessary, and is that really why people are buying your book? So I'm kind of in the same school as you. Is I, I like to write about things that, that I have a good feel for, that I know, although I've stopped writing about lawyers. <laughs> but, you know, they, you know like I, I write about locales that I know very well. Like I've set a lot of my books on Long Island. Obviously, I'm from Long Island. I live there here now. I've also set a lot of books in Ireland because I've spent a lot of time there. My husband's from Ireland. My mother's mm -hmm. from Ireland. And so I didn't have to do a lot of research to get to talk about Ireland. But I also, you know, didn't make it sound like a travelogue either. Right. Because I lived there, I could add those little, um, you know, little details that maybe somebody who hadn't spent time there couldn't and would have to, you know, again, do all the research. Yeah, um, overall, it, sound... it, just, it has to feel natural, you know, when right. you're reading it. It has to feel like, as a reader, that you can picture the place in your mind or you feel like you're there. You can't hit the, the reader over the head with so much information about a place that they feel like they're reading a textbook or, like you say, a travelogue. Right, right, right. Like, look how much I know. Look how much work I did on this book. Now buy it, you know. <laughs> Yeah. But again, I, mean, I think it's one of it's. I, I think it, it, it's one of those things. It's a danger that it can really be a crutch for for a writer, and and maybe even a new writer. Right? They're afraid to really hit the page, so they do all this yeah. prep work, yeah. and then they never get there. You know. Well, so that, that happens that's, with world building too. You know, I write in fantastical worlds, so I have a dragon world, and I have you know my Dragon Knights uh, series is um, let's see seven novels and three novellas strong right now, and the. You know, I know some people who advocate creating a series Bible and, you know, getting the whole world set up before you start writing. And I know some people will, will chastise me for this, but sometimes I make it up as I go along, you know. And as long as I keep true to what happened before, to what came before in the world, I think it's okay. I mean, you can't keep writing the same book over and over. Um, you have to just write it, 
You know, you, you can't just wait and plan and never write the book. Right, right. I, I agree with you. I mean, it, it was sort of the same thing for my Devlin legacy, which is paranormal romance. And again, I was writing um, about a, a different type of paranormal creature who I've, even through the four books, I've given information about him, but I've never actually identified what he was. Oh, and some people think that's strange. But you know what? It's it's my world, and if you want to buy my book, you know, <laughs> you, you have to go by my rules. And it, it really evolved from book to book, um, and which I think made it interesting because it I, and a little more fresh because it was fresh to me because I was discovering it just as the reader was. And you know, it's it's again, it's not uh, you know, you're not writing a law review article, so you don't have to be that logical. It's supposed to be a little fun, and like you said, as long as you're internally consistent within your world, mm-hmm. you know, I think it works. Yeah, it really also depends on what kind of book you're writing. I mean, honestly, we're writing romance. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a treatise on the world of, you know, Draconia or, you know, whatever you're going to choose. Um, I guess if I were writing straight science fiction fantasy without the romance component, I would be a little more rigorous, perhaps, although I think I'm pretty rigorous. <laughs> I mean, I do have a series Bible. It's um, ever-evolving and changing, uh, but I didn't really you know, need to write one until um, maybe book four or book five because I, I knew the world so well inside and out because, you know, like you say, you created it. It's my little world. I know everybody in it. Um, so I didn't really need to write it all down until I realized that, you know, readers really wanted more of these books. <laughs> and I had to expand the world because I hate writing the same book over and over. That's something I try never to do. Um, so, you know, having to expand out into other nations in the dragon world and that kind of thing, it's um, required a little bit of thought on my part. <laughs> and um, like I say, you know, we're writing romance. So for me, the perfect blend when I'm doing something that's paranormal or futuristic or sci- or um, fantasy, I like to have sort of a 50-50 blend. So there's an actual plot, there's a real story, there's, you know, good world building, there are rules that are obeyed in the world, and then maybe 50% focus on the characters and what's going on with them. Um, I'm, I'm, you know how they say either plot-driven or character-driven? I guess I'm a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds like a, it's been a successful combination for you. Um, what about some of the uh, your your current works? I mean, I, I actually looked it up, and it seems like you're releasing something every day. <laughs> but I know that that's not true. Um, yeah, well, no, they- it's not. Uh, unfortunately, I took a long hiatus. <laughs> um, I had a, a little tragedy in my family. My mom passed away, and I just I didn't want to write. I mean, that kind of thing. We were especially close, and um, uh, I just, you know, when you're not happy, you really don't feel like being creative. And so, certainly writing a romance, on some uh, level, you have to be a little positive, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, I took a couple of years off, and I didn't write for a while. And, um, you know, I, I, my readers stuck by me, thank goodness, most of them, and uh, they've been so supportive. It's really been incredible. Um, I keep getting, you know, requests, so oh, where's Harry's book, and where's this book, and where's that book? And it's a great thing to hear. But, um, you know, for a while there, I didn't feel like writing at all, and I didn't know what to say. <laughs> um, but it's it's uh, getting better, and um, I'm not back to full speed yet, but I am definitely picking up steam. And so I'm trying to get a lot of the backlog things out. You know, I had started series that required 
you know, continuation. For example, the um, the Dragon Books, which is um, something that Sam Hain's been sort of helping me revive over the past, oh, since August of 2012. Those books first came out in 2006, 2007, 2008, and I don't think there had been a new book in the Dragon Knight series since maybe 2009 or maybe 2010. Um, and it, so it's now 2013, and we just got a new book in the series. Uh, it's called Keeper of the Flame. It just came out last week. And uh, so far the reviews are all good, so I'm very happy. Good. But, and uh, you it's know, got a beautiful cover, too. Really. Oh, yeah. It's your cover. Um, who did it? Yes. Um, it, Angela Waters has been doing a lot of my covers at Samhain. She did um, the Wolf Hills covers. Uh, and I think all the Brotherhood of Blood uh, covers, a lot of the, those reddish ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's been doing some of my paranormals. She's been doing, she did all of the Dragon Knights. What happened was all of those books came out originally, one at a time with different people doing the covers. So nothing really looked like a set. And a couple of years ago, I, I talked to Chrissy Brashear, the, um, the owner of Samhain, and I said, hey, could we you know, somehow get them to look alike? <laughs> uh, can we right. reissue them? And the other thing was the original covers just had dragons on them. And they looked very action-adventure, but they didn't really look very romancy. And these are, you know, pretty hot romances. Some of them are menage. I mean, they're very hot stuff. And it, didn't, it wasn't really reflected in the covers as much as it could have been. And my fear was that some kid was going to pick up, you know, one of these books thinking it's, you know, some dragon adventure, which it is, but then yeah, kind of yeah. be blown out of the water by the menage. You know, so yeah, you would think. I'm, I'm, I'm trying yeah. not to, to think about that too much. But um, <laughs> So they decided to uh, reissue them with new covers. We did new edits on them, which in some cases was good because, you know, they were some of my earliest books. And, you know, you hate to go back and read your first book and think, oh, my gosh, you know, I've learned a lot since then. Um, right, right, right. So but we then it gives, them. gives you a chance to, you know, correct Correct those yeah. forgetting mistakes in a sense. Now, yeah. for all of your books, did you um, always know? Do you always know when it's going to be a series? Like, have you turned a standalone into a series? Yeah, I'm. I'm not a standalone fan. Um, if especially in a, a futuristic world or a science fiction or fantasy or whatever paranormal, I really want to be able to revisit the world. So I tend to think in terms of trilogies. I guess that's my old sci-fi background. Um, so when I when I start putting a, a, a book together, I tend to think of it as a trilogy at first. Um, the fact that there are now almost ten of these dra- dragon books has really blown my mind. I didn't expect it to go on that long. Um, the resonance. But if the characters are still fresh and they're still speaking to you, you know, I, I you know, why not go with them? Because that's yeah. that's kind of what happened with me um, with my Devil and Legacy. I wrote Devil's mm-hmm. Mountain as a standalone, and then um, I tried to, and that was a paranormal romance. And I went to the RWA, I think, conference, and they started saying, talking about how small-town romance is the next hot thing. So I tried to write a small-town romance. I got to be about page 10, and the characters from Devil's Mountain were still speaking to me. So I wrote the next book, the next book, the next book, and I wrote four books. And, wow. and each one was supposed to be the last. Um, and then I picked <laughs> it up again. So I think I'm cured, actually. I, um, I'm, I'm about two chapters into my new women's fiction, you know, no paranormal, and um, and I'm hoping I'm cured, but um, but it's it's interesting how some you know compelling characters grab hold of you. And is it the characters that that grab you in these series and make you keep writing, or is it is it the um, the plots or the dragons? What is it that that still makes it fresh for you? 
Well, with the it, it's really each one is a little different. With the paranormals, um, mine got a little messed up because originally they were with a an, a small e publisher that went out of business, and so I had werewolves with Samhain at the same time I had vampires with this small e press that went out of business, and they were in a, in a world that's sort of the same, and there really was crossover, and I had to bring the ones from the Brotherhood of Blood, the ones from the small e press over to Samhain because they were willing to publish them, and they sort of went with the werewolf books I was writing over there. And um, so they've been coming out in a funny order, but um, with those books, it's really the characters because there's there's a lot of intrigue and adventure going on, but each one of these characters is so interesting to me, and they just really want their story told. Like, um this werewolf book I wrote in, I guess it was 2006 or two, I, somewhere way back then, uh, called Lords of the Wear. I there, there's a small character in there, a guy named Rocky, who I decided to make a wear bear. He's actually a grizzly bear. He can sh- shape shift into a grizzly bear. And for years, I just you know he was on my mind, and it's like, wow, this guy Rocky is pretty cool. And I I liked it because his name was Rocco Garibaldi. He was really, you know, an ethnic Italian guy, but he just happened to be a grizzly bear. And um, I I just wanted to tell his story. And finally, uh, a couple of months ago, I finally released um, his story, and it's, it's, you know, Tales of the Weir Rocky, because I couldn't just call it Rocky, right, because there's that movie. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's something I've heard of. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean to do it that way, but it just happened. And, um, And in his book... There was a, just a small character that just happened to show up in his book, and the more I thought about it, and as I edited Rocky, this character Slade just caught my attention. He was so intriguing. He was very mysterious. And I'm writing his story right now, and I hope to release it pretty soon. Um, these are all little self-published um, uh, adventures for me because this is something new. Um, trying self-publishing, it seems to be faster than Samhain. Although I love them, they take about a year and a half to get a book out, and right. I know well, that they've become so popular now, right? So they oh, definitely. The and, and they have a lot of other authors. I mean, they don't just publish me, unfortunately. So, you know, I have to kind of figure out what to do because the fans have really been um, patient with me. And right. I feel like I want to try and get more material out because they've been waiting for so long with my, you know, when I took such time off. Um, so Slade was a really interesting character. I just, put, uh, in fact, I unveiled the new cover for the book today. And, um, it's uh, it's just because his character just intrigued me, and I wanted to know more about him. So it it kind of, you know, percolated in the back of my mind until I said, you know, I got to write him a story. <laughs> uh, so, so it really now, depends. So his his books are self published. What has been? So how long have you um ha- have you been self publishing your titles, and and how many titles do you have that are self published? Um, I have five right now. Um, I've I started the experiment. I call it an experiment because it really is. Um. Last year, I had I had a book with um, I had a, 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 a novella. These are all novellas. Like the the first three books were novellas, with a small press publisher, and um, it was kind of buried in an anthology, and it was not selling at all. So I asked for the rights back because it had been out for years, and um, it really wasn't nobody could find it, kind of thing. So mm-hmm. they gave it back. You know, they were fine. It was the contract was up. They gave it back, and I put it out. That was a, a King of Swords, and it's a science fiction, uh, space opera kind of a thing. And um, I put out two more subsequently. So it's King of Swords, King of 
Cups, King of Clubs, <laughs> and there will be one more King of Stars. I'm sort of following the um, the, the, the playing deck, you know, the, arc- mm-hmm. the um, not really the tarot, but yeah, the tarot. Because every um, there's always some element of the um, clairvoyant in these books, even though they're set in outer space. So they were good. I mean, they they I just wanted to get them out there, and people were aware of them. But science fiction. There's not as many people out there who love the science fiction romance as who love the paranormal romance. So um, right before Christmas, I put Rocky out, and the response has been just amazing. I, I was just so overwhelmed by the love that came back at me from the readers. I mean, they, they, they were just wonderful. So because of that, I really thought, you know, I should do a little more of this. <laughs> I mean, in the beginning, I thought, well, it's an interesting experiment, but it's probably not doing much. And I don't know if I'm hurting myself because some people are telling me, you know, you, you really shouldn't be doing this. I don't, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. Is. I think there are – what are the rules? No one seems to know what the yeah. rules are. The rules are what works for you and what's successful. Yeah. I mean, in terms of um, the work now that you've had to do yourself, did you, you, know, did you have to pay for an editor? Did you have to oh, pay, yeah. obviously you had to pay for your co- cover? So has that been um, – you know, there's more upfront costs, certainly. But, yeah, um, but I, I've been trying to make sure. I mean, I'm very. I have a, a great attention for the quality of it. I don't want it to suffer. I don't want to just throw something out there and have it be substandard. Um, so I've, you know, I, I paid for an editor for Rocky, and she helped me a great deal. She also edits for, you know, some of the bigger publishers. I can't really say who. <laughs> um, uh, I paid uh, my friend Valerie Tibbs has Tibbs Design, and she is a fantastic artist. She. She does covers for most of the bigger e-publishers, and uh, she was willing to do mine, which was wonderful, so I paid her. Yeah, and she's wonderful. Um, she, I actually had her on the show two weeks ago right. and does my covers. So, <laughs> yeah, um, no, yeah, Valerie's, Valerie's fantastic. great. Um, but, you know, I, I, there, like you say, there's upfront costs, but there's also that satisfaction of getting it out a lot faster. I mean, I'm in charge. I'm steering the ship. I don't have to rely on other people who may or may not care about my particular book because they've got 20 others they have to do. Um, not that I've run into that very often, but occasionally. Well, so, you have you control, know. but it's also, um, and I think what's helpful for you is obviously you've been experienced in e-publishing and, and you've been around for a while, so you know what to do, as opposed to someone with their fir- first book just throwing it out there and not, you know not having the right cover art and not knowing that you really need to have this edited. So, you know, in in terms of, it, it, it sounds like the way you're doing it is 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 more the right way to do it. Or, you know, if there's least, a right or a wrong, I mean, it depends who you are. If you are a very talented person who can manage to know how to market your book, and and you're unknown, and you manage to hit with your first published book, well, then, you know, more power to you. But um, I, I think you know, self-publishing is great because uh, it gives you know readers more material to read. And it gives writers another option, you know, rather than be having to rely on, you know, the um, traditional scenario, which can take forever. And um, right. I have very little patience, I think, <laughs> you know, very short attention span. <laughs> um, maybe before um, b- before we run out of time, which we, we are running out of time, um, oh, wow. maybe you could tell me um, how steamy your books are or, or, and, and do they, you know, are, are some series more steamy than others? And, yeah. and did you start off writing, you know, the erotic stuff, or is that something you had to work into? You know, I started off with that. Well, I should say 
originally I was targeting Harlequin way back when, so obviously it wasn't that steamy. Um, but in 2004, 2005, I was reading Alora's Cave, and I thought, well, if I'm going to target a publisher like that, then I have to write something a little bit outside my comfort zone. And so I just dove right in and I tried. And, uh, you know, the first book was uh, Maiden Flight, which is the first Dragon Knights novel. I thought the the fact that it came out on Valentine's Day and the, the title was very apropos because it was my first book to be published. Uh, but that one is, you know, it's a menage. And um, I've been writing really across the board. I Sometimes I write sweet. Sometimes I write really uh, very hot stuff. Um, on my website, I even sort of, have a color coding system to try and help people figure out, you know, which ones have, you know, menage type elements and which ones don't, because uh, right. some people want to avoid that and some people look for that. So you never quite know. Um, it, I guess it would depend on the publisher I'm writing for. Uh, I know Kensington didn't want any of that kind of stuff in the books that they, you know, contracted from me. So those are just straight male, female, pretty hot, but not, you know, part of their aphrodisia line. I was writing for Brava. So bravas are a little bit less um, kinky, let's say, than yeah. the. <laughs> I mean, can I use that word? Um, <laughs> kinky, yeah. This yeah. is nice. Girls reading naughty books, so you can uh, <laughs> you can use it. Well, within reason, you can use whatever books you, uh, word you want. Okay. But um, it's yeah. Does that? I mean, so it's in, so now you're comfortable with it. Obviously, you've well, written you know, a lot. I think it's um, it depends on the world. I mean, I really I don't like these books where it's like. Um, you know, they just sort of force it into the book because they think that's what's going to sell. Mm-hmm. For me, the world building and the fact that I'm writing in a fantasy world, I can create whatever rules I want. So in the dragon world, the fact that there are some menages is because of the way the dragon world works. Um, you know, it, it seems natural to the world. But um, I, I, that's why I find it really hard to write contemporary uh, menage because I think there's only a few writers who do it really well and I don't know if I could ever be one of them because it just seems like unless you suspend that disbelief, which you automatically do when you're reading fantasy or sci-fi or something, um, you, you tend to read the book and go, yeah, this wouldn't happen in the real world. Yeah, this this looks tawdry or this you know this doesn't seem right. Um, oh, like I say, only a few writers can get away with that that really kinky stuff in the contemporary setting without some kind of paranormal element or something. At least that's my opinion. I, I could No, I mean, I, and, and you know what, what you're saying is definitely reflects my writing experience because I started off with um, my first book, Gold Coast Wives, which was, you know, a humorous contemporary, and they tried to, you know, uh, Lyrical Press, my editor tried to said, you know, can you spice this up at all? Because it was very, very vanilla. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason why I couldn't is because, you know, the, the main character was so much like me. Because obviously your first book, <laughs> a lot of writers make it, you know, she was a lawyer living on Long Island. And, you know, and, and to make her, you know, all of a sudden have a menage <laughs> would be yeah. kind of strange, yeah. right? I just couldn't get comfortable with it. So she kissed a few times and that was about it. Um, but then I think what happened with my paranormal my heroines were so unlike me. I mean, there were elements. You always put a little bit of yourself yeah. into your heroines. Yeah. But for the most part, I mean, they're witches. They have magical powers. They're doing all kinds of stuff, and they're not, you know, they're not Bernadette too, right? <laughs> so I think I felt a little freer to, you know, to have them do the kinky stuff because it wasn't, it wasn't me, right? It was, yeah. it was, and it was appropriate to the story. And it, it, well, exactly. I yeah. and again, I didn't set out for. Um, that series to be, you know, 
as steamy as it wound up being. You know, it, with each book, it, it became a little steamier. And again, I think it was because the characters and the, and the story really called for it. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't just all of a sudden, you know, people just jumped in a hot tub. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right, exactly. Like, hey, let's get it on. You're cute. You know, no, that that kind of stuff really bothers me. And I, I can't write it. <laughs> you know, I can't even read it. Um, yeah. But there are a few people doing it very successfully, and more power to them. You know. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, things like the Fifty Shades and all that is, you know. Well, very, you know, that's very popular. Yeah, that's true, and that's uh, you know good, good. Like I say, more power to her. Um, it's not my choice because I don't really. That was never really my interest. But uh, you know, um, I I also have my other. You know, I write other kinds of stuff. So I just really my goal was always to have the science fiction or fantasy or paranormal or whatever what the woo woo element was. You know, be very rigorous with a good love story, and whether the love story was you know super erotic or just you know. Hot, too hot to handle or whatever, you know, whichever fits that particular story, that's what I put in there. Well, you've obviously been very successful with it. Um, Bianca, maybe you could tell us a little bit about um, what you do in terms of promotion, and, and I know that you have an event coming up soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, um, I, you know, I, tr- I tend to just uh, hang out on Facebook a lot, <laughs> you know. I, I I used to do all kinds of, you know, um, organized promotional stuff. I But, you know, I think the best way for me is just to be myself. And I like to talk to people. I'm very chatty. I'm a New Yorker, so I talk a lot. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I hang out on Facebook. I tweet sometimes. I have a good website that I like to keep updated. Um, blogging, I'm not the greatest at, but I try. And, uh, blogging's and I go to, hard. Blogging's hard. Yeah, it is. It really is. And and I go to conferences. You know, I I do a few conferences every year. I love to talk to readers, and I'll I'll talk to them about anything. You know, um, I go to RT. I go to um, Laura Lee's Raw. Uh, I've been to the past couple of years. And um, let's see, which other ones am I doing? I'm going to Liberty States, and I like to give. Um, you know, at some of them, I I actually do workshops and presentations because that's Part of my, you know, business training, I really enjoy sharing um, information with other people. Um, I do the typical bookmarks, and oh, I've got a new new thing for me. I'm doing collector's cards for all the new Dragon books, so I've got boxes and boxes of stuff <laughs> in oh, my wow, living room, sounds- <laughs> <laughs> um, which has to be distributed. I'm not really sure how yet. I'm figuring that out, but uh, you know, obviously at conferences, and and as you say, we have an event coming up. Uh, my uh, local RWA pal, you know, uh, Michelle Lang, has a new book coming out, and she graciously invited me to share her release day, um, her launch party, because it just so happens my book comes out on March 5th. It's um, it's the print version of um, Brotherhood of Blood, Wolf Hills, which um, actually is up for an RT award this year. Oh, amazing. And, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. And uh, her book, uh, uh, Rebel Angels, is coming out also in March. And um, we're actually doing a, a an event at a Book Review in Huntington on Long Island. It's a great old bookstore that I used to haunt all the time when I was in grad school. And uh, we're going to have, I don't know, it's going to be a strange evening. We have music. We have uh, wine and cheese. We have some guys coming out from the city who will be dressed as vampires. And, yes, and I mingling. heard about those. I heard about those. <laughs> yeah, and, I'm not I'm really sorry, sure what is, how... what is the date of the show? It is uh, March 23rd at 7 p.m. It's a Saturday night in uh, in Huntington, which is on Long Island. 
um, at a at a little bookstore called Book Review, and it's R E V U E. And uh, if you want to look it up on the internet, they have a website. So um, yeah, it's it a great be... place, and it sounds like it's going to be a fun evening. And I'm definitely definitely going to try and and, oh, and check that out. Um, so Bianca, thanks so much for for joining us. Just a couple of things I wanted to tell um, my listeners. I'm very very excited about the su- success of Nice Girls Reading uh, Naughty Books. Um, I've I've gotten so many more listeners, and and I hope um, I hope you all continue to keep listening to these shows. I've had some really wonderful guests to date, including Renee Rocco, the owner of Lyrical Press, and the acclaimed cover artist Valerie Tibbs. Um, my upcoming guests include author Lucia Burrell on March 9th. Um, Then I have Eden McCoy, an expert on witchcraft, who has penned more than 21 nonfiction titles. And she's also an aspiring romance novelist. She really is a wonderful woman. I met her actually at the local Long Island Witches Conference a couple of years ago. She's going to appear on my show April 6th. Um, I'm also going to be interviewing um, Sarah Wendell, otherwise known as Smart Bitch Sarah from the fantastic romance book review site Smart Bitches Trashy Novels. She will be my guest on June 1st. So um, please, I also have some other wonderful uh, shows lined up and scheduled, so please check out my website or follow me on Blog Talk Radio. That way you'll always um, get an alert and you don't miss a show. I'm also very, very excited about my own upcoming release on April 1st, Devil's Daughter. It is the third book in the Devil and Legacy series. It has a beautiful, beautiful cover that was done by Valerie Tibbs, and you can see all my covers and excerpts from all my books on my website, BernadetteWalsh.com, so please check that out. Again, Bianca, thanks so much for joining me here. I may um, I may request that you join me again because we talked about so much, and I, I had more questions to ask you, but we unfortunately ran out of time. So thanks so much for joining, and thanks for all my listeners. Uh, this is Bernadette Walsh, and um, you're listening to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I hope you'll join me again. Bye-bye. <laughs>